In this episode, the Fallout 76 beta, Riot Games and its sexist workplace culture, and I talk about my content creation crisis. This is the Insert Coin Theater podcast. My name is Tim, and we've got a lot to cover, so let's start the show. Hello and welcome to yet another episode. I'm glad to have you back with me. And if you are new to the show, it's great to have you. Thank you for joining me. So let's talk a little about the Fallout 76 beta. It was pretty great. I'm not going to lie. I'll just preface it with that. I had a ton of fun with it. It's not without its flaws. Of course, it is a beta and it is a Bethesda game. So you can expect there to be a hefty amount of bugs, but we'll get into that in a second. So ultimately, what's so appealing about this? And for those of you who do not know what Fallout 76 is, if you are new to what the game entails, if you're just hearing about it recently or you heard the name, but you don't know anything about it, and you just assume it's another Fallout title. Think again. Imagine taking Fallout 4 and making it cooperative and multiplayer. Fallout 76 is a cooperative or competitive, if you wish to PvP, uh, survival game. And that's the interesting thing is it's a it's it's pretty much the survival mode from Fallout 4 ripped and put in a standalone game with multiplayer elements, which is pretty cool in its own right. And it's very exciting in that regard, because if you take a look at the game itself, it's pretty solid playing through it in a beta form. I figured it would be a nightmare and it really wasn't that bad. The server seems stable. Uh, People generally weren't too overly aggressive and the smallish server populations of I would say like I feel I think they said 24 to 36 people ish per server made it feel like you weren't alone all the time now there's some problems with this and inherently I think the biggest problems are that the it doesn't seem there's to be proximity voice so there, there doesn't seem to be proximity voice in any regard, meaning that when people are running around, if they're in your zone and they have voice chat on, you can hear them at the same volume if they're 300 feet away as if they were right next to you. So that's a little disconcerting because it's it is area based voice, but it's not adjusted volume wise based on the location there's no proximity voice in that regard so it doesn't adjust volume if they're further away and make them softer as if they were getting uh close and if they're getting closer it doesn't make them louder much like you would expect a doppler effect to be so if something's really far away it sounds different and maybe muted or or quieter and then as it gets closer you can hear that volume increasing so that was a bit of a bummer because it's that's such an immerse, immersion thing for me that I don't personally I wasn't using voice because I was using discord to talk with uh, my my teammate, my wife, Recky. And it was pretty it was pretty fun. And having people like pop in and you would hear their voice from everywhere was a little weird to me. I didn't I didn't enjoy that as much as I uh, as I think they were hoping that you would. It's kind of a dead giveaway. You're in the area. Plus, it also puts an icon over your head. 
um, and you can see that icon from anywhere when somebody is talking. So it's it's very much a, there's it's hard to stealth. I don't know if that's a setting, if that's something that is going to be different, but it was very much an interesting thing for a P, from a few PVP perspective. Excuse me. I'm having trouble speaking today. As always, welcome to the podcast. I think if you want to stealth and be sneaky and assassinate other players, that option isn't so good. So I think the PVP may need some work because I'm sure that I will have moments where my team and I, um, I plan on playing this with the ICT community where our team will go around and maybe we want to, you know, bully some people and get some junk from them or whatever. And the only way to do that is to engage in combat. And if you are obvious, if it's obvious where you're coming from, it's very hard to plan ambushes and things like that. So that seems a little disappointing, but I didn't get into PVP too much just because Reki doesn't really PVP. So it makes it a little difficult to really like dig into that kind of experience from that perspective. However, the teamwork stuff is really good. And I know that's not a great word. The, the, the teamwork aspect of it is pretty awesome. And I really enjoyed working on quests. Yes, there are quests with Reki and getting through things. Now, keep in mind, there are no NPCs that are humans in this game. There are uh, ghouls, which are called Scorched, and they are a faction but they they seem to be fairly sentient because they can wield certain weapons and things like that. So they're not feral, but they don't really talk to you or engage with you at all. Also, there are robots like protect protectrons, iBots, all that stuff. Overall, though, it's a little barren. And I'm kind of disappointed in that, that there it feels very barren. Like there's no I was expecting them to do like safe zones where you couldn't kill the NPCs or whatever or. NPCs are counted as allies or something like that. And you can't hurt them. And then you would have to uh, do quests for them and things like that, much like your typical kind of fallout experience. So it was a little weird to me that they kind of left that out. It felt a little, it feels a little hamstrung in that regard. Now, if you're looking for a, an emergent role play experience, I feel like this is very open for that. Think day Z or seven days to die. That sort of thing. I think that's pretty solid. And I think that's going to be interesting to see what comes of it. There's a lot of interesting gear to be found. There's a lot of interesting items to loot. You can build bases and the base building isn't half bad. And let me touch on that a little bit. The base building feels like Fallout 4s, but a little bit better. And I mean that by everything snaps to each other. It's much easier to, to just get in there and build things. The interface is still a little clunky, but it, it feels more intuitive than it was in four four was very frustrating in a lot of ways. And I'm very glad that they kind of improved on that system a bit. So it was, um, much needed. It was really much needed and I'm glad they finally did that. So from that perspective, the game is good. The building is fun. And I think that's so very important for a fallout game. Now, when you get into the barrenness of the wasteland, it's not barren outside of missing NPCs. It's a beautiful world. There's vivid, bright colors. It's like set in a perpetual autumn, I guess. So there's tons of beautiful color changing foliage, a nice variety of landscapes from 
more barren areas that were affected more harshly by the nuclear radiation. Oh, excuse me if that made a loud noise. I moved my leg and I hit the table. Sorry about that. But barren areas, forests, cityscapes, towns, there's a ton to explore and look at. And it's it's really impressive and visually it's gorgeous. And I'm so very happy for that because it needed to deliver in the visual aspect. And it did. It, it does in spades and it, it brings the heat in that regard. So I'm very impressed with the visuals. Vats has a very interesting change to it. If you're used to the Fallout games, Vats usually slows down time and lets you target specific limbs of enemies so that you can do you can cripple their legs or you can injure their arms so they can't carry their weapon anymore. That sort of thing. Well, in this case, it's actually an auto aimer. And when you use Vats, it does use your AP as normal, but it doesn't slow time and it doesn't auto aim. So if you hit Q and you start spamming your button, it'll start shooting at them and it shoots center mass unless you get a perk that lets you target that that specifically targets limbs automatically outside of that. So it's it's sort of an auto aim system, which is kind of cool. And it, it doesn't feel bad. It actually feels to me like an improvement. I never used VATS uh, unless I absolutely was in dire straits. I would always snipe or just point blank kill things with shotguns or, or SMGs or what have you. So having VATS be a little bit of an auto aim is uh, a really nice feature. Um, Let's talk about perks. The perks are really interesting because in Fallout 4, the perks were done by you would get points and you would spend them on um, uh, a, a specific perk like Gun Nut, which lets you build guns better or what have you, or put better attachments on your guns or upgrade them more. Well, in this case, you get what are called perk cards. You get packs of perk cards um, as you level and as you go through the wasteland um, and you can get cards and stuff like that. And then um, when you level, you spend those on your special stats, which is your um, ability stats. So it's uh, strength, perception, endurance, uh, charisma, intelligence. What is a? Oh, my gosh. Agility and luck. That's your special stats. And you spend a point there and that enables you to put a card on that stat. So say you have three points and you have a level three card for luck. You have three points in luck. You can put that level three card on there or you can put three level one cards or a level two and a level one, that sort of thing. So it's a very interesting system, and that also does not feel super clunky. However, you have to equip them, and that's something they didn't really tell me. So I went through the first like five levels without a single perk card equipped, which was very frustrating to me because I could have been getting some really cool bonuses like bonus experience for playing with a teammate or better luck finding ammo or health packs and the like. So that was a little irritating. I'll, I'll, I'll admit the tutorials are very lacking in a lot of ways. And I don't know. I just feel like they could have done a much better job explaining that. I don't know how, but I felt like it was a little clunky in that regard. Beyond all that, though, the game is really solid. We didn't encounter a ton of glitches. I mean, there were some some creatures ice skate really bad. Some of them stand at T poses, but I will chalk that up to server inconsistencies and perhaps server communication issues rather than uh, flat out bugs in the core game itself. So once the game launches and the servers settle out, that's where things will uh, really start to shine, I think. Now, let's talk about a single player experience. So I played with Reki the whole time. 
I think from a single player experience, the game is not going to be that enjoyable. I'll be totally honest. I think where it's going to shine and have its strength is with friends, building bases with them, exploring, engaging in um, what equates to dungeon crawls. Really, there's really strong monsters in certain areas that are really difficult to take down. And if you don't have like a squad of four or whatever, it could really make for a difficult time. So I think the game really shines when you play with friends. So if you don't know anybody getting it, you may not enjoy it too much. And it is an online only game. There is no single player component to it. You can play it by yourself online, but you cannot engage outside of that. Now, some of you may go, that's really stupid. Eh, not really. I mean, it's a typical survival game in that regard. Uh, it's just unfortunate that it is online only. Games like Seven Days to Die let you play solo on your local or host a server for friends. But that said, they said that they will release servers in the future, which means that theoretically you may be able to have a single player experience if you want it. But it just won't be fun because, like I said, there's no NPCs that you can interact with, really. There are just. It's really just protectrons and uh, robot shopkeepers, so nobody has really any personality. The whole story, and there is story to it, is told through computer terminals and taking quests from computer terminals and things like that. So there's not a lot going on in terms of interaction with real live or with real NPC humanoids. It's all interaction with players and robots in the game. So it's interesting in that regard. And I think that I think that pulls a lot of questions about sustainability and how enjoyable it will be in the long run, unless they can think of some cool things to add to it. Like I would love to, cause apparently they have like a, an event system, which I engaged in a little, but I didn't really get too deep into it. So in certain areas, events will happen and pretty much everybody in that area can go participate and they'll get a reward at the end, whether it be caps or what have you, or stim packs or, or things like that. And you get, you get bonuses for doing them. It's kind of like the fate system in final fantasy 14. If you've ever played it, um, the events pop up, people join in, you work together to defeat the NPC enemies and voila, hey, oh, presto, you've got yourself some some good bonuses for it. So that's kind of cool. And it, it, it encourages teamwork and cooperation with strangers and to maybe make new friends. But it also sets up PvP traps and things like that. So that'll be really interesting to see how that evolves and how that shapes up. But I think ultimately having those events is a good middle ground for having a ton of quests because it is dynamic and randomly generated. But I think not having those NPCs is going to be a little lonesome, really not having human NPCs to interact with. I mean, it's weird, but it makes the world feel a lot more barren, especially if people you don't see people for a while or things like that. And, and maybe that's what they were going for that. I mean, to be fair, Appalachia is not a super populous area, right? You're in the mountains. There's not a ton going on, but it's still kind of, eerie and a little sad in some ways that you have no one to really engage with outside of maybe real life people. And if you're playing solo, that can be really isolating and a little boring, to be honest. And I don't want that for this game because I think the game is good and I think it's going to go places. And I think it's I think it's ambitious and interesting because, in my opinion, we've needed a legit AAA survival game. And this is it. This is what we're getting, and I'm happy with that because I love survival crafting games, and that's what this game is. It's a survival crafting game 
a la Seven Days to Die. And I love Seven Days to Die. And that's made by the Fun Pimps, which is a tiny indie studio. So their ambitions are huge, but this is that sort of thing fully realized in a professional engine. And yes, it is the Fallout engine and people have a lot of gripes about that. But so far, I've been I'm happy with it. And let me just say I played seven hours straight. So it's not like I, I put a tiny like two, three hours into it. I played for seven hours straight and I wanted more. I needed a break after seven hours, but I was I'm ready to go back into the wasteland and explore more and, and build more onto my base. And the base building is really cool because you can add like turrets and defenses and lights. And it's the same building from Fallout 4. So you can have generators and all that stuff. What's really nifty is you can actually save your camp's blueprint so that if you log in and your um, someone has a camp in the same place or in a, the relative vicinity of your camp, it'll actually refund your camp and you can place it as is somewhere else which is really fascinating to me. And I think that's really cool. And you can actually move your, move your camp whenever you want for a small amount of caps and things like that, which is kind of cool. And caps are hard to come by, which is really interesting because the vendors will sell things for caps and they are not cheap. So you got to really, there's a real challenge in finding caps or finding things worth caps worth selling. So it's pretty cool. I think the game is really solid. I think that, if you are into survival crafting games, you will enjoy it immensely, especially if you have a crew of friends to play it with. So Fallout 76 looks like it's going to be a winner. That's my impressions right now. We'll see when it comes out. I think it comes out on the 14th of November. And so that is dating this podcast a little. That's uh, six days from now. And my my copy should be arriving in the mail. Hopefully around then. OK. Now, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Riot Games. For those of you who don't know what who Riot Games are or what Riot Games is, they are the developers of League of Legends, probably one of the most toxic communities in gaming. League of Legends is a MOBA, which is a multi online multiplayer online battle arena game, which is the same as like Dota, Dota 2, um, Heroes of the Storm, that sort of thing. and they were really big for a while. They were massive for a while before BR games really came to prominence. Um, they kind of fell off a little bit right before BR games came in. So that being said, Riot Games is the developer. And it turns out that the toxic community of the game is mirrored internally. And that is to say a lawsuit has been brought upon Riot Games for unfair pay, gender discrimination, and a sexually hostile workplace, which does not sound good because it's not. So reported a little while ago, let me get the exact date for you. Kotaku, which they did a bang up job on reporting this. I got to give them props for that. But back in August, they reported that there is a culture of sexism at Riot Games. They interviewed current staffers anonymously, current staffers not anonymously, as well as ex-Riot employees anonymously and not anonymously as well. And it turns out that more opportunities were given to men, women who were just as capable or qualified were passed over for things, women who were doing the job that they were working towards promotion for or two were 
passed over for men to come in and a new and new people come in and take the position that they were working towards having a promotion for. Some really nasty things were said by some of the leadership at various press conferences, not press conferences, excuse me, at various internal meetings and things like that. Uh, a lot of bro dude culture exists at Riot. And this article is fantastic. And if you need a, if you need a reference for it, if you want to read it, it's freaking great. Uh, the article is entitled Inside the Culture of Sexism at Riot Games by Cecilia D'Anastasio. Uh, so be sure to check that out. It's over on Kotaku. Um, it's really good and a really well-researched, solid piece of reporting. And it pretty much spurned Riot to create a diversity and inclusion team in response to this coming out. And this this bro culture is pretty rough. It, it, many of the female staffers say it's like working at a fraternity. That's a problem. Because... If you want to make a good game, you need diversity. And let me let me explain my position on this, because this is this is very much opinion. So forgive me for diverting so early into my opinion on this, because we're, we're going to kind of pass out of this. But I've got to I've got to give you I've got to give you my two cents on this. So diversity causes you to look at your team, to look at things from different perspectives. Different perspectives are not a bad thing. That's why I always encourage people to look at things from multiple angles if they can and form an opinion from there. The same thing goes with creative arts, especially something as big as a game. If you're creating characters from a different from an ethnicity different than yours, it's not going to hurt to have a perspective of the people of that ethnicity. For example, if you're going to put black people in your game, have some black people have input on the final result of that product or better yet have black people do the design work or the writing for that character have the perspective that means more for that character to make them realistic the same thing goes with asian characters goes with gay characters trans characters it's not a bad thing to bring people in i've heard the argument of well it shouldn't matter but it does matter because perspective is key if you are not living in the shoes of the person that you're writing about or creating a character about, it is damn hard for you to create a, a believable, enjoyable character. That said, let me jump back into this, because ultimately, when we when we look at Riot Games, they they had egg on their face big time. I mean, this was they they panicked when they heard this was going to come out. And that's when they came up with this diversity and inclusion team. They claim to be a meritocracy, but it was always, and this is a quote, bros before hoes. Men would be given opportunities over women. One of the women presented an idea to a team and they poo-pooed the idea. She gave the same exact concept to a male staffer and a week later he pitched it and they loved the idea. And he didn't deviate from the pitch, didn't change it, but there was much more likelihood for them to approve his than hers. And yes, these are anecdotal, but it should show that it's more endemic to the overall culture of that workplace. That said, they have one top end staffer that is female. 
out of 20 something upper staff members. So like VPs and the like, there's one female at the top there out of 20 something. Not a lot of perspective from the female point of view there. And it's, it's really not like news that a tech company of any kind is having problems with this. And I know I'm speaking very generally, but I, again, I don't have the perspective of a woman to speak to this. I just know in my heart that it's wrong and it feels dirty and wrong because to me, your capability comes from within, but your perspective also matters. What you've been through, what you've experienced matters. And diversity is important because it does not hurt to have multiple viewpoints and multiple ways of looking at things in your life. And it's it disgusts me a little that Riot has done this because I always thought League of Legends was a toxic wasteland on the outside because of their community. And if you've never engaged with their community, they tend to be some of the most toxic and vile people you will ever engage with. Example that I've experienced as well as heard time and time again, you play a casual game, maybe unranked or what have you, and people still call you a noob, make fun of you, tell you to go kill yourself, spread horrible, vile hatred because you don't know how to play the game or you're new to it or you're trying to learn it or trying to learn a new character. It's disgusting. So I always knew that from the outside, they were a toxic waste dump. I didn't realize that that had festered inside for so long. So I'm really disappointed in Riot in general because of that. Apparently, they held at PAX West, which I was at this past year, a panel exclusive to women and non-binary people to get them interested and involved in gaming, which is great because I think, I think there should be, there should be things for minorities to be able to voice their concerns and learn about the games industry in a safe environment. And I think having an exclusive kind of place for that is conducive to voicing your concerns without feeling like, the majority, which in this case, in most tech industries, is white men, are there to police what you say or to talk down to you because they haven't experienced what you have. So they held these this panel, but the problem is, is that it came across as a very thinly veiled attempt to deflect the criticism that they were getting for having a toxic work, workplace environment one of gender discrimination. So there was a lot of people that were upset that they weren't invited, even though the panels were posted online, yada, yada. But the underlying current was that it was, it wasn't really appreciated in general because riot was trying to just put lipstick on a pig as it were and be like, no, we're a great place to work. Look how awesome we are. It's okay. It's all fine. Everything's good. Riot's awesome for, for women, for non-binary folks. Come on and hang out with us. And then they do things like sending emails about how female staffers are hot enough to bang and things like that. It's pretty gross. If you read the articles, I highly recommend it. It's pretty gross. It left me feeling really disappointed 
And I can tell you right now that I will be recommending that people avoid Riot Games products in the future. Not just because of the toxic culture on the outside, but because of the toxic culture on the inside. Because they really are trying really hard to make it look like they're trying and they're not doing anything really to make a difference. And it's sad because they had an opportunity and it's been months. So I'm not I'm not just coming at this like they literally this just broke. I mean, this has been news since August. And I I honestly highly recommend that you let people know about this because they released a new League of Legends like. I guess video or cinematic or something that people were like gushing over because of the cool character designs. Well, I think that that needs to come with a caveat that right games is a bunch of scumbags and a really gross company. And I think it's really important that people be made aware. So if anybody asks you, I think it's really important to give them those facts, give them that information that a, there have been many reports of sexism in their workplace. B, they said they would change, but they've not made any real efforts to change. And C, at least, okay, let me say from the surface, because I am not involved with their company. I am not a member of their staff. I cannot speak directly to it without having first party sources. I'm not a journalist, so you'll have to take that with a grain of salt. But that said, it does not appear they're making any real efforts to change this culture. So they're being sued by a current staff member and a former staff member for, like I said, unfair pay, gender discrimination, and a sexually hostile workplace. Okay, I've said my bit. I gave you guys the info. Please form your own opinion. I apologize for getting off on a Tim tangent, but I had to because this grosses me out. And I don't know if you feel the same way. I just, I feel I feel gross about it, and I think it's a disgusting thing. Just my two cents. Right, games, you should be ashamed of yourself. <sighs> Unfortunately, they're still making more money than God, so I doubt anything's going to change anytime soon. But hopefully getting sued, and I hope that any of their wrongdoing comes to light because of this, it has a, a real adverse effect on their bottom line so that they they will actually make changes that are meaningful and impactful to their company. It needs to happen. It really, truly does. And I really hope that everybody that's been negatively impacted by their policies, their shitty work practices, pardon my French, I, I really hope that they you guys affected by their terrible practices find gainful employment at a place that will appreciate and respect you for who you are for your skills and talents and not because of your gender. And with that, it is time for me to start talking about my content creation crisis. Oh boy. All right. So for those of you who do not follow me on the Twitters, I made a very long winded thread about kind of where I am in content creation, how I've been feeling lately. Kind of where I stand as of late. And the gist of it was Mixer Season 2 launched. Let me explain to you what Mixer Season 2 is before I move on. Mixer Season 2, for those of you who do not know, Mixer is a live streaming platform that I stream on four days a week. I'm a partner with them. Proud partner. I enjoy being part of the Mixer fam over there. It's cool. I really enjoy it. I like the platform a lot. The staff seem pretty cool. Some of the partners are hella dope so that said season two dropped and what that means is they've 
brought a, along a new way of monetization. On the platform, there are these things called Sparks. They've been around since before Mixer was Mixer when it was still called Beam. These things were given to you as a kind of currency to use on interactive or mixed play, as it's called, mixed play interactive boards. You spend these sparks, you hit the buttons, and then on the streamer's end, things happen, whether it be a sound effect, whether it be an image that shows on the screen, whether it be a combination of those, that sort of thing. So you'd use those sparks and you gain sparks for watching. You'd get a bonus for being subscribed to the channel. You'd be at a bonus for being a Mixer Pro user, which Pro is like, Twitch Turbo in that regard, where you your name color changes um, and you get a bonus of sparks and experience. Experience is just a, a leveling thing that has no real meaning except for unlocking skills. Skills were added in season two. Season two adds a ton of really cool stuff to chat, the chat experience and the community experience. So what this does is it adds skills and skills are you can drop stickers in chat which are just static images that are provided by mixer but they're really cool you can spend more of that and do a you can make like a narwhal swim across chat you can make a pod of ghost narwhals swim across chat weird i know but cool you can send a giphy gif which is um filtered of course much like twitter's or facebook so you're not going to get pornographic ones or anything like that uh you can do Fireworks in chat. You can do a beach ball mini game, which a bunch of hands appear at the bottom of the the screen, and a beach ball flies around, and the everybody watching the stream engages in hitting the beach ball, and you get it going for as long as you can, and voila. So, season two added skills. It, it, the biggest thing that this does for partnered streamers is we get a spark crystal or gem on our channel. And what happens is any sparks spent using skills or using our mixed play interactive boards go towards this crystal or gem. At certain levels of the gem, money gets given to the streamer, meaning that if you spend a bunch of sparks, actual cash money is given to the streamer, meaning sparks have a monetary value now. So, that prefaced is Season two drops. One of my big things is interactive. I've put a lot of time into making a very interesting interactive. I have very, I have unique full screen interactives. You hit a button and something will happen. My face will pop up multiple times. Uh, a song will play and I'll interact with it, etc., etc. They are pretty popular or have been in the past. People seem to really enjoy them. I take a lot of pride in those interactives. So when season two was announced, I was like, I got this in the bag because my interactives are there. People love to hit them. I'll make I'll make the goals. I'll make the top tier in no time. And the top tier ends up being like 500 something bucks. After all is said and done. That's incredible. That's a that's a trip to pack south for me. I'm like, hell yeah, I got this. You know, I was really excited. The first day rolls around. I don't stream that day, so I just keep an eye on it. I fully expect Mixer to break, everything to explode, yada, yada, yada. Nothing really does. I mean, there's some hiccups, and it's not the most smooth thing ever, but there, are, it works pretty well, surprisingly. And I was kind of blown away. Come to see that certain pe some people, certain people, hit the spark goal of 5 million sparks the first day within a few hours. My mind's blown. My excitement level goes up. I'm like... Oh my God, I'm going to kill this because 
so many people are like, you have the best interactives on Mixer. I love what you do. You're amazing and all that. So having Sparks be monetarily, having a monetary value tells me people are just going to shower it on me. They're going to make it rain, baby, you know? So the day comes, the next day comes around and I, I start streaming. We barely break half of that. I don't even think we broke half of that the first night. and. It devastated me. And I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat here, so you'll have to forgive me, but I'm going to be honest and I'm going to tell you why my feelings were what they were and what I have learned from that. Not hitting the max sparks goal on the first night was like getting punched in the gut. I felt like my community didn't like what I made. My interactives were such a big part of my stream that when they didn't come in and shower the sparks on that gem and fill it up, it said to me, they don't value my interactives. My interactives don't have any real cash value to them. They don't really like them. And I I honestly, I was lost. I was just totally like dumbstruck. And I blamed my community. And I'm sorry, community, I I was wrong. So forgive me there because I was mad at you guys. I thought you hated me. I thought you hated my content and I thought it was I wasn't good enough because I had seen some of the very same people who spent very few sparks in my stream showering sparks on other streamers as I watched on the first day that it came out. So it just felt like uh, it just felt like being stabbed in the back and betrayed. But it's not your fault. So please don't take it that way because I'm I w- I'm wrong. And I know that now upon reflection. But I had harbored resentment and anger towards my own community. The people that support me on a daily basis. The people that spend time in my streams when I don't deserve people to spend time in my streams. I'm not entitled to their sparks. I'm not entitled to their time. I'm not entitled to their friendship and their kindness. However, I lost myself for a moment because I saw that all the work I had put in was for naught. It's stupid now that I look at it. It's probably one of the dumbest mistakes I've ever made. And like I said, please forgive me for that. That moment of total weakness and stupidity on my part because I was wrong. The problem wasn't with what my community was spending. The problem wasn't even with me. And I blamed myself, too. I I said, I'm not good enough. I'm garbage. I am crap. I'm not a good streamer. It just is. And that's that's what I need to realize. And I've got to reinforce in my brain is that my community is incredible. And I love you guys to death. And I'm so lucky to have you. I, I honestly I. I say it all the time. I have the best community on Mixer and I stand by that statement. And I will, I will, I will fight you if you disagree, bring it. But ultimately I I just lost sight of what was important and it's not money. It's not sparks. That's garbage. That's nothing. It, it, It was what I had gotten on that first night was huge. And I should not have complained. I shouldn't have been upset. And it was really dumb of me because I lost sight of it in that gold rush of sparks to get that money and get that paper. And 
to be able to do this full time, I have to do that, right? I have to chase it to be able to make it. The problem is, is that I was chasing it at the cost of my own sanity and my own happiness. I really beat myself up over it. I took it as a personal insult and none of my community, nobody in my community even thought about that. Like they're just like, yeah, we'll come hang out and we'll spend our sparks as usual. And that's fine. That's what should happen. That's how it should be. People should just come and have fun. That's what I want. But I lost sight of that for money and I'm sorry. It was really dumb and it was greedy and it was needy of me. I was really desperate to fund my trip for PAX South. And let me just say, we made it last night, which is Wednesday night, the 7th of November. I'm dating the show. I know I hate doing that, but that was last night. And we pushed two and a half million sparks in like a three hour period. Guys, that's insane. And that paid for my trip, but I despaired. And that's my fault. That's 100% on me. And I'm sorry. I've been struggling a lot lately with my content. I've been feeling really inadequate because I'm seeing everyone around me growing at huge rates comparatively. And it's really disheartening to see a lack of growth on my part. I was looking for the word there. And that's what's been happening. Like I've had many streams where I've broken even or only gained two followers in a stream and in four hours, that's not great. But that said, when I posted about this on Twitter, I got a lot of feedback and a lot of unwanted advice, even though I was very specific about how my questions were hypotheticals, but that's the nature of social media, right? People are going to voice their opinions and, and stick their nose in and, and try to armchair teach you things. Which is fine. I mean, there were a couple people that mean well, and and that's that's the ultimate thing is they mean well. But when somebody tells me, are you networking enough? I want to go, my God, you don't know me at all. Why are you even speaking up? And yeah, that's a little harsh, but that's why I said they mean well. And that's why I didn't respond or engage because, yeah, they they have my best interests at heart and they're sweet. There were several people that did that. <laughs> so. It's ultimately one of those things that I've learned a lesson, whether I will carry that forward forever, I can't guarantee, but I'm going to do my best. And I hope that for those of you who I turned off with my shenanigans, my negativity over the past couple of weeks, maybe even month, I'm sorry. And I apologize. My negativity was wrought from a sense of desperation. Uh, My job is a bit crappy and my growth has been very slow on the stream and I'm so thirsty to do this full time that it's almost desperation at this point. And I need to not do that. I need to not put that on you. I need to keep that to myself and work through it because I'm not going to bottle it, but I'm also going to do my best to make sure that that desperation does not cause me to lose sight of myself or my community, which are the two most important things. And I want that to be a, Lesson for anybody who's struggling with that. Please don't lose sight of you. Don't give up on what you're doing just because you're feeling discouraged or you're feeling like nobody likes your content or who you are because damn it, someone does. You're important. Your content matters and you're good at what you do. Maybe you have room to improve here and there. We all do. Nobody's perfect. I got a long way to go still and I've been doing this three years, but I'm learning every day. 
I'm doing my best. And that's what's important because your best is enough. So tell yourself that because it's, it's true. Your best is enough. That's all there is to it. Just keep at it because some people have better luck than others. Some people are given more opportunities than others. Some people have better connections than others. That's just how it is. That's the nature of streaming and content creation in general. And you've just got to work through it. I'm working really hard on making good connections and making positive, meaningful friendships in this industry. It's very slow going because I'm a nobody. Nobody's going to listen to a guy who has 30 average viewers and doesn't have any real industry contacts. Nobody's going to listen to that when it comes to looking for sponsorships or exclusives or things like that just is what it is, but I'm still going to keep working at it and I'm not going to give up because I've sunk so much of myself into this and I've come to realize that this is what my passion is in life and I love it more than anything in the world. That's where it becomes important and I need to continue for my sake, for my sanity. If I stopped and gave up, I'd lose my mind. I really truly would. I would, I would be a hot mess. I would be a husk of a human. I would be miserable. So I don't want to stop this. I really don't. I don't want to give up. I don't have any desire to give up. And I encourage you not to. I encourage you to to be the same way. Don't give up. In the immortal words of MC Chris. Never give up. Never surrender. I know that's from Galaxy Quest too. But MC Chris says it too. He has a song. Never give up. Good song. Listen to it. It's great. It's about not committing suicide, but. It still applies. Never give up. Never surrender. Keep at it. Do your best. Keep your chin up and find some people that you can talk to and can be accountability partners for yourself. And if you don't know what an accountability partner is, it's somebody who can keep you sane and level. You can vent to them. You can let them know when things are crap and they can do the same to you. You guys work through it together. You talk about it, but you also encourage each other. You lift each other up and you work really hard to succeed together. Yeah, it sounds a lot like a team, but I'm talking find one person who is in the same boat, maybe two, but find people who you can work with and talk to on a very regular basis. I have that in many people. I'm so effing fortunate and I'm so lucky that I have such a great community and I have such great friends that I've met through streaming. I I, I honestly have... No other way to put that except for thank you. What I do means nothing without you. And I am ever, ever so grateful for you. We hit 5 million sparks, which comes out to be more than $500, which pays for all of my food and drink while I'm in San Antonio for PAX South. I'm going specifically to meet community members and friends that I've made along the way. And it's going to be an amazing trip in January. I have no words that can express how much that means to me. And I, I really am at a loss for words for it because I was in the first place when we hit the spark goal and genuinely from the bottom of my heart, it means that even if I were to get run over by a car tomorrow, you guys have made something special out of Insert Coin Theater, the podcast, the stream, 
And it, it means so much to me because you guys appreciate it that much that you spent sparks, which you don't get a lot of sparks for how much time you spend watching streams. And you've spent those on me. You spent your time on me. You've spent real world money on me. That means the world. I just can't thank you enough. But that's enough gushing. I think I should probably try to wrap this episode up. I've gone on long enough. We're at the 48 minute total mark for the show. So, oh boy. Let's go ahead and do the outro. But thank you. The ICT podcast is produced by me, Tim Hosey. Insert Coin Theater is more than a podcast. It's also live streams four days a week at mixer.com slash theater. But above that, it's also a vibrant and inclusive community on Discord at discord.gg slash ICT. If you'd like to support my efforts monetarily and help my content creation efforts become a full-time gig, please consider pledging on the Insert Coin Theater Patreon page at patreon.com slash ICT. I'd like to give huge thanks to Andy B, our Arcade Master Level supporter, and our three other Patreon supporters for helping keep this podcast alive and kicking. If you're unable to support monetarily, please consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. The positive reviews will help bring new listeners and the podcast will grow in new and meaningful ways. And if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or wish to connect with me, please visit me on Twitter at twitter.com slash insertcointim or on Mixer, Twitch, Facebook, or Instagram at insertcointheater. My DMs on Discord are always open, and you can reach me there by DMing insertcointheater, hashtag 6969. The ICT podcast intro and the outro song you're hearing now is created by the amazing and ever-so-lovely Ben Burns, also known as Abstraction. You can check out his music at abstractionmusic.com. As always, thank you for listening. I don't deserve you, and I don't deserve your patronage. But you give it willingly, and I appreciate it more than you will ever know. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.